0: i gotta That'll see fun okay it's so exciting our first episode
1: Yay! three two one and we are growing live i am patty armbrister
0: and i'm jackie murray buyer and together we are Grow Live and we answer your farm and garden questions. Our goal is to help you to be successful in growing healthy food and creating a better world.
1: Fantastic. How are you doing today, Jackie?
0: I am awesome. What a great Saturday. What a beautiful yesterday.
1: Oh boy. Yeah. Well, we got fog and lots of uh, frost on everything this morning out the window. So things are going great though, but let's, let's, uh, let's dig into buying some seeds. All right. So lots of
0: people have been asking questions about seed shopping and it can be very confusing and experience buying seeds.
1: Yeah. It can, it can also be very time consuming and very expensive. Expensive. Yeah. So are you ready for the first question, Patty?
0: Marnie wants to know,
1: where do you buy your seeds from? Well, I'm glad to hear from Marnie in Fort Benton. Wow, we got great Fort Benton show today. Um, So, Marnie, I buy them in several locations, but I always go with them with a plan in mind, right? I need to know, and you want to do this well ahead of even picking up the catalogs, um, what you are needing to buy for this year. Uh, I save seeds from year to year, so I have a storage of them, and so I only replace the ones that I need to replace. So you have to know about it that way, because it's going to get very expensive if you don't. And so I really look at a catalog and try to figure out uh, what their shipping is on them, because the shipping is going to get added to the cost of your seeds. And I also look at the size of the... Um, Seed packet. So that seed packet's got to be fairly, um, you know, like I'd rather go with an ounce or a 100 seeds versus a handful of seeds. But let me go to a screen share here so I can um, get you guys some pictures. And we'll put this up where we can see what we're showing you. Oh, look at that. So is that showing the toolbar or just the – It's it. showing the show bar. There we go. How's that work? <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, excellent. That? All right, so we're back to looking at these seed packet sizes and stuff. So it's, it's super important. Some of them don't say anything. Some of them just say it's a packet. And, like, some of these packets are only 15 seeds. So I usually always go to the next size um, package offering, which a lot of times it's 100 seeds. Sometimes it's a quarter ounce seeds. And then I save them from year to year. And it also gives me seeds that I could share by doing it that way. Uh, where do I get them? I know Marnie asked me a direct question, and I always avoid that. But I buy them um, mostly off of heritage type seed catalogs. Or if I'm in person, like in whitefish or something, I buy them for the real, real good seed company. Um, I also buy particular hybrids and we'll talk more about hybrids in a minute. So what's your next question?
0: Our next question is, why are my tomatoes not maturing
1: on time? Ah, uh, yeah. How many people have experienced that, right? Like, Every year, I experience it with different varieties. So people get confused. I think, I think there's a lack of knowledge, I guess, not necessarily confused, about the number of days. So if you open up a seed catalog and it says days on there, it doesn't say that that's days to maturity, but that's what it means. It also leads you to believe that when I plant that seed, that clock starts. That's just far from the truth. Okay, so it's after the seed is germinated and is coming through the soil, that's when the clock starts. And if I transplant a plant, you'd think, wow, I started that tomato in March. Why isn't it producing in July? It's when you transplant it into the ground and after it's went through transplant shock. So if your plants are having a really hard time right after transplanting, that clock still hasn't started. So we got to think, okay, I usually go with the shorter-day varieties. If I can, that doesn't even always offer you the best flavors because some of the most flavorful ones are your longer-day varieties. But that's how you tell. Uh, we'll get into w- way more. We could do a, a tomato show, and we will probably down the road. But let's just talk about the, the seed selection and the timing as why those tomatoes aren't ripening because there's lots of other reasons why they might not ripen, but let's go with just the day variety for right now.
0: All right. Amy wants to know, can you talk about collecting seeds?
1: Ah, uh, Amy, glad to, glad Amy's joining us. She's joining us from Fort Peck out there close to the lake. So. Seed collecting, it seems to be a hot topic right now, and lots of people are wanting to do it. It does take a lot of planning to do. And the very first plan you need to have is that you're going to buy uh open-pollinated seed and not, or a heritage seed, one of the two. Usually they mean the same. Um, Not always so. But not a hybrid. Because a hybrid, if you remember from your um, your science classes, Or maybe your ag ed class, if you was lucky enough to have one in your school, when they did the punt square. And all the little genes and letters fall down into the square. Yeah. So when you breed a hybrid to a hybrid, it's like playing roulette. You have no idea what you're going to get. So it's not worth the time and the work to grow that hybrid for seed. So don't grow any hybrids for seed. That's the first thing. Because we're talking about selecting seeds. So let's kind of stick with that because um, seed cl- collecting and saving will be a completely different show. So if you're going to collect seeds, make sure they're a heritage or open pollinated seed to get started. What else does she want to know, Jackie? What, what varieties are best? What varieties are best? Um, so that's a big subject, too. Say let's say it's tomatoes. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna select one that will fit my environment that I'm gonna save seed on. So like for example, some tomatoes are like 85 days, others are 100 to 110 days. Those 100 to 110 day varieties probably are not gonna mature here. All right, if they don't mature here, then they're not gonna save seed for us. So so we were gonna stick with that idea. Um, So you look at those days. And try to get the, the shorter ones like black creme, which is a Russian tomato. It's, it's 70 to 90 days. So they really help you there because they didn't say you can count on 70 days because um, they know it's going to be a bigger range than that. Uh, some others like, um, oh, brandy wine, purple Cherokee, 90 days. Those, those get up longer day varieties. So just got to kind of look at the details. Let's not get too far into those weeds today, Jackie. What else we got? Well, then
0: Charlie had asked heirloom open pollinated versus hybrid. you talked about open pollinated versus hybrid. Did we touch on heirloom?
1: Well, heirloom is just a seed that's been um, developed and bred up and saved by a grower for 40, 50 years. And so they've stabilized the seed, they call it, where that we know it's going to be a certain shape or color or taste and not have these variants or what they call mutants show up. And so um, that's why you want to kind of go with the heritage ones. Now, there's certain uh, hybrids that I absolutely have to have, and we'll talk about them in a minute on um, – on the squashes and why I want those. But like, let's take sun, sun sugar cherry, which I think is the best sugar cherry tomato in the planet. Well, it's a hybrid. So I, I always buy a plant or two of that. I'm not going to keep seeds of that. I'm going to keep seeds from the hair bloom ones or open pollinated. And I think that's whole, whole research subject as to how those seeds are acclimating. To the climate. So what's, what's Charlie's other question? Cause he goes pretty deep into this. Do seeds adapt to
0: the type of system it is grown in? For example, organic versus
1: high synthetic input. Okay. So organic, and we're going to go with organically grown Charlie instead of just organic because organic is a certification. So organically grown could be regenerative or natural gardening and that seed, now this is my own personal bias because I don't think they've done research on this. And so I think a grad student could pick this up and they would stay very busy and they'd go into a big in-depth subject to figure this out. But I think those seeds and plants adapt to your soil and your soil microbes and your environment. So I would rather have a seed come from a organically grown place that's in my environment area and keep seed from that, then I would uh, synthetically grown one in Iowa or Ohio that they're going to combine. That's how they're harvesting. Most of these seeds we're seeing in these seed catalogs are big, massive farmers, and that's why some of the seeds, like in beans, have gotten really tough, and that's why tomatoes are so one of the multiple reasons why tomatoes are tough. They bred for that tough gene to be able to harvest them the way they're harvesting them. So I know this is getting really deep into the weeds, but I would rather go with the one that's grown in a more natural soils than I would a plant that's been babysitted by synthetics its whole life, right? When you take that plant from the greenhouse and it's been um, fed all the nutrients it needs in its water every day, it is not going to be as strong and healthy a plant as our natural one going into our 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 rough environment so i hope so, that answered your question yes
0: amy wants to know can you save seeds from annuals in the greenhouse
1: from the greenhouse okay so i think she's meaning amy i think meaning from the greenhouse like buying the plant from the greenhouse versus this picture of oh. you Right, this picture I'm showing you, yes, we save seeds out of this greenhouse. And we have different plants in different locations to be able to do that. But like a lot of flowers, um, you don't have too much trouble with because they're not, you're not planting them next to another flower that's in that family that might cross with it. But there's a lot of flowers in our in our greenhouses, our commercial flower greenhouses, that I would not even consider trying to save seed on. Because they are they're hybrid and bred up to be that brilliant and gorgeous looking that they are, and so I guess I would stick to the heritage idea and open pollinated again, and go with the old time types of flowers to collect seeds on. That helps you.
0: Like that dill in that picture of your greenhouse there would be good.
1: Yes, and yeah,
0: so right. that's going to. And that's an annual technically, right? But it just yeah. drops seeds. So it feels like a perennial because it just comes back so much.
1: Yeah, it is an annual and it's, it's self-seeding. And we we collect it. Of course, we don't get it all. So we never have to plant it again in that greenhouse. We just decide where we want it. where we don't, we pull out the ones we don't. So here's an example on um, a hybrid that I always want in my greenhouse or always want in my gardens. When it comes to yellow squash, I think yellow fin is a, a reliable, good-tasting, consistent zucchini that does not get powdery mildew, right? Most of them will if you're not selecting against it. And so you can see just in the description of these two, um, for sure, the yellow I'm going to go with to to avoid that problem. So that gives you an example as of when I would want a hybrid versus an old time heritage plant. Okay, what's our next deep into the subject? <laughs> well
0: um, Eileen asks, Any tips for winter sowing seeds?
1: Okay. Um, my biggest tip is to think about your soils and being regenerative in your practices. So, for example, you can take uh, any lettuce, except for there's a few hybrids of them, but most lettuces you can take, grow it in one location in your garden, so it's not crossing with anything, let it, you harvest it till you get sick of it or it gets bitter, then you let it go to maturity, right? And it's going to flower, it's going to get tall and weird looking and flower, and it's going to have thousands of seeds. Right. I don't want thousands of seeds there, but I do want a few. So I will um, cut off some of the stalks, but leave some of the seed and let it just drop on the ground, right? But I'm not going to disturb that soil. Th- those seeds are dropping into mulch in my garden, and they're going to work their way naturally through the winter, through the snow, through the rains and stuff into the soil, and they're going to germinate, and they're going to do their own thing. I've got lettuce in both two gardens that I managed that we've not had to plant in 10 years. It just does its own thing. Okay, so that's an example of self-seeding or or winter seeding, sowing. But you can't disturb the site. If I went in there with a tiller, I just wiped it all out completely. So you got to not disturb it and go with a no-till practice. Okay, what else we got, Jackie?
0: Eileen also wants to know if you have any tips for growing blueberries. Blueberries.
1: I do. Here's some here's some examples of flowers that um they're planted as a beneficial pollinating row around the outside of this garden. Those are um, annuals that drop seeds on the ground. Mm. Sweet alyssum here in the forefront is one of my mainstay <laughs> flowers. I I plant a couple of flats of it or more every year. Now, if I just don't disturb its area, which I'm trying in my greenhouse to not disturb where I planted this, these masses of sweet alyssum, it will self-seed really well. But you can't disturb it. You can't even rake it and think that you're going to get it to come back up.
0: Here's our five-minute warning.
1: Boy, I get a lot of questions on blueberries, and I am not a blueberry grower. I do know that they um, are very fussy about the pH. I do know pH is really, really hard to change. I'm going to defer you to a person that knows a lot about blueberries and they have a YouTube out there that can really help you learn how to grow blueberries and raspberries and other berries. And that's um, at Sunset Valley Organics and they're a regenerative, massive farm, right? And they have taken care of the soil and they put on compost teas and extracts and minerals and stuff continuously. And they they literally get berries that are bigger than the end of my thumb, like by the masses on a whole stalk. And so just watch his video. Um, Bob Wills, I believe, is the guy, the owner's name. So watch that and uh, learn from there. And it's a whole other world when you start going that way versus thinking, oh, I just need to put on something to fix this pH. Well, the plant needs a lot more than pH. So let's go with that. What else we got? Jenny? I've
0: also been told, be patient. I'm not being patient enough. Give my blueberries some time to set. Yes. Uh, in uh, Michigan,
1: we had, we had blueberries that grow blueberries by production in Michigan. And, you know, I would think a bush needs to be five years old before you start thinking you're going to get a lot of, uh, response out of it, right? But it's going to live for 25, 30 years or longer. You know, so, yes, being patient, I think, is important. Mulching it, um, putting cover crops in along the side of it, and taking care of those soils will go a long way. Your compost, cheese, and extracts will really help you. Somebody want to talk about squash?
0: Yeah, Lori asks, what varieties of melon or winter squash do you recommend for our area?
1: Oh, thank you, Lori. Great question. You see this one in the forefront here? That is Northern Candy Roaster, and the plant had three squashes on it, and this was the littlest one. And I took that picture yesterday to give you an idea for storage of this squash. And the others were really long. I mean, they can get two-and-a-half foot long. And, wow, they make fantastic squash. They make fantastic pie, everything. Uh, the other in the background there is carnival, and both of those, I think, do fantastic. Um, other people that are growing squashes, there's a close-up of that one. Uh, this is a regenerative garden, and that squash in the forefront there is, and it goes the whole length of her garden, is only four or five hills of squash. And that one is um, buttercup buttercup variety
0: one minute warning oh no can we, do one, can we do one last question where do you prefer to get your seed potatoes Lori yes. asks.
1: let's do seed potatoes because that's super important that we get that figured out right here is where i buy those seed potatoes you can order right online with them today and they will deliver to your place or you can buy for your county extension agent Call them now and make sure they've placed an order with these guys. And you can get a lot of different varieties by going with the extension agent. I think I had to buy 25 pounds of each variety when I go directly through Holbrook. But when you go through your extension agent, you can pick and choose. I want five pounds of this and five pounds of that. And there is just lots of tomato or potato varieties out there. There's ones that are, are help diabetics and all kinds of stuff that we need to just open our minds up and get further out there into the genetics and not just go with um, the russet potato. So that's what I suggest on potatoes for here in Montana, especially. If not, if you're outside of Montana, you can find a grower, I would think. But these these growers, you know, Montana is the number one seed producer in the state. And so, if you ordered from them, they would figure out a way to get it shipped to you, I'm pretty sure, somehow, some way.
0: Patty, our time is actually up. Oh my up. gosh. I can't. How can people get more information? I think you did great. We got 12 questions.
1: Well, we did good, huh? Well, one thing yeah. you can get a lot more information from free is at Free the Seeds Online. And so they are sending, they're, they have a seed swap. They're going to be sending out free seeds by mail, I believe, this year. So so get on their website. For sure, get on their YouTube. They've got tremendous, tremendous resources. And they're a nonprofit here in the state over at Whitefish. So How can people support us? Yes, we need support. <laughs> One way, and it's so simple, is when you go to our YouTube channel, is to hit the subscribe, the like, and the bell. Because when you don't, we don't get the view, we don't get to put our videos up on YouTube. Like, we could have been on YouTube Live today, but not enough people are hitting the subscribe button or liking us for YouTube to recognize us. So, that's why we opted for Zoom today. But we will be recording this and putting it on to YouTube. So, join us there. And um, we will be um, getting a Patreon put up. And as we mature with our chat show, you're going to be able to join a Super Chat. And so when you want your question aired live, then you can pay us a little fee and you can uh help us out that way. So until then, grow healthy. Hey, wait, we want to mention what we're going to talk
0: about next week. Oh, yes. Next Saturday, we're going to talk about greenhouses, right?
1: We are. We're going to talk about greenhouses next week because a lot of people are buying greenhouses or building greenhouses or have greenhouses and are expecting a lot out of those greenhouses. And so we're going to talk about greenhouse houses themselves, not growing practices in them, but greenhouses themselves next week. Perfect. we so- come With the new subject, um, we definitely are going to get into how to plan your garden to invite beneficial insects in and to uninvite the pests. So Uh, join us down the road. So if you would like to get some answers to your
0: greenhouse issues, send us your questions. Join us next Saturday. Mike and I just spent half of our stimulus on greenhouse plastic. Just before this Zoom. We got our stimulus yesterday. Greenhouse plastic. Cool. I got a great resource for that.